Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you are listening to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. Each and every week we bring you a woman who's an expert in so many different areas that can help you in every part of your life. Your finances, your business, of course, your health, staying fit and vital, and of course, relationships. You know, those are so very, very important to so, so many women. And, of course, you know, we're, we're getting close to the, the first of the, the beginning of a new year, and women are thinking about not only relationships in so many ways, but love. You know, what if everywhere we went, we encountered only love? No judgment, no worry about what people thought, no struggle to be accepted. What if every person we met smiled at us and made us feel loved and we were loved back? Wouldn't that be a wonderful feeling? What a difference that would make for all of us. But can you imagine what kind of world it would be in in that kind of loving environment? My guest today not only imagines it, she tells us how to create it. Her name is Marcy Shemoff, and you might recognize her name from the Chicken Soup book for the soul. She has co-written six of them. Or how about her number one New York Times best-selling book, Happy for No Reason, which, by the way, has been translated into 31 languages so far. You know, Marcy's inspirational. She has inspired millions of people around the world, sharing her breakthrough methods methods for personal fulfillment and professional success. She has also hosted the Happy for No Reason PBS television show and has appeared on more than 500 national and regional TV and radio shows. She also, including she was with us on Women Speak in 2008. In fact, Marcy Shemoff is one of the top best-selling authors of nonfiction books of all time. And now she's written a new book called Love for No Reason. Seven Steps to Creating a Life of Unconditional Love. So I'm so pleased to have Marcy back with us and to tell us about this transformational book and all about love and how we can find that in our lives as well. So welcome, Marcy. So glad that you're back with us. Well, Marcy, we were just chatting before I started the recording and that it's been two years. I can't believe it, but... uh, Time you flies. Have been so busy, and you've got another phenomenal book out, and I'm so excited for you. So happy you're with me again. I'm delighted to be with you again, Nancy. I love what you're up to, and and uh, really, we're, you know, what what the work that you're doing in the world is terrific. Well, thank you. I, I, like I said, laws of attraction. We keep we keep attracting one another, so let's keep doing that. You know, I, I always like to start out a conversation because I think. I think what's so very, very important is that all the amazing women I do get to talk to have a story of their own and, and a personal reason why they do what they do. And, and I think that's always the best way to start a, start a conversation. Here's a book, Love for No Reason, Seven Steps to Creating a Life of Unconditional Love. But, you know, your story is very, very deep and it's, it's very meaningful. But, you know... What is your personal your personal story here? What might help people to even understand why you wrote a book so very very important like mm. this? Well, um, just to go back a long ways, fifty three years to be exact. Um, I was not. I was born, as I say, with existential angst. I was not a happy kid, 
And all my life, I just wanted to be happy. I think it's, you know, fundamentally what what we all want. And so I started, I was very lucky. I I tell this story in my first book, Happy for No Reason. I was very lucky because I had had a father who was the happiest person that I'd ever met in my life. And so I got to see what it was like to be happy. But still, I wasn't experiencing that. And so I... At a young age, I decided that what I really wanted to do was I wanted to find out what what it would take for people to be happy, for me to be happy or for anyone to be happier. And I spent many years pursuing that and and studying that and researching that. And I I wrote a book that came out three years ago called Happy for No Reason. Now, after that book came out, and and I was using all the principles in there, and I really, I I say that I went from a D plus in happiness to about an A minus. Um, But I, I started thinking, you know, What's what's even bigger? What's even more important than happiness? Yeah. And I, I thought, what were the happiest times that I've ever experienced in my life, the highest experiences? And they were when I was in love, when I was falling in love. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Sure, absolutely. So I started wondering, you know, what is it, what would it be like? Is it possible to actually live in a state of being in love, whether or not you're in a relationship? Because ultimately, isn't that the juiciest thing there is? Sure, yeah. And I, I, when I began asking myself that question, you know, is it possible to be in love all the time with life? Uh, I started running into people wherever I was traveling, and I've been all over the world in the last few years. And mm-hmm. I, I'd find these people that were just radiating yeah. this this energy of love. I'd be sitting next to somebody on the plane to Kiev, or I'd run into the, the waiter that was uh, – when I was out to dinner in Peru, and they had something special about them. So I started asking them, you know, what's going on? What's your experience of life like? And Are how you did radiating you get there? this emotion? Yeah, okay. And, and, that's, and I really have discovered over the last, especially I've been really delving into the subject for the last three years, and I've discovered that there is, um, there is a state that I call love for no reason, mm-hmm. and it's a state of love that doesn't depend on any person romantic partner or situation and it's a state that each one of us can cultivate can 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 really experience on an ongoing basis and that to me is what's the most thrilling is that yeah man we can just live in this kind of in this kind of experience yeah you know and and you know and when i when i was reading the book and i was looking at the different principles i you know of course as a psychologist the first thing i start to think about again is what we're taught and what we are inundated every day uh, in the media, uh, on the newsstands, I'm a real proponent of watching what, what, people are thro- what, what is thrown at people by the media, especially women. But it really always has been, you know, you need to be, to be loved. You, I mean, to, to find love, you've got to find somebody to love you. You've got to find something or someone to love you. And, and I think that's it's very difficult for a lot of people to understand because I think uh, what you're talking about is, is really truly self-love. I mean, as far as really caring and, and feeling very special about who you are, and, and again, that radiates out. But but isn't that pro- part of the the situation though that you run into is that people people might read the book and go, what you know, gee, but we hear every single day about romance and we hear every single day about the need to for somebody to fall for somebody to love us to be okay you know you complete me i still remember the tom cruise movie when he says to her you complete me and it always in some ways it's like somebody's walking around without part of their body unless they've got somebody that truly loves them 
Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. Of course, there. Uh, what I found is that we have three main myths that block our experience of love for no reason or unconditional love. And the first and perhaps the most prevalent myth is this myth of romantic love. Yeah. You know, romantic love has been kind of our favorite drug for a long sure. while. And, and rightly so, I mean, in the sense that it triggers the brain to give us a lot of these wonderful, a wonderful hormonal cocktail of dopamine and adrenaline and oxytocin sure. and all of that. Well, we can experience that with, with or without that romantic love. And I'm, there's nothing wrong with romantic love. It's a wonderful thing. Sure, but when definitely. we base our own experience on it, then it's then we become you know hostage to that. So what I talk about is how we can remove the blocks of romantic love, how also we can remove the the myth of I'll love you if. And this is with anybody in our lives. We have this conditional situation where I'll love you if you treat me a certain way sure. or I'll love you if you give me what I need. Or I love you if you're not too fat or too skinny or, you know, if you show up perfectly in my life. And that also makes us sort of a hostage to um, to how somebody else is behaving. Mm-hmm. And then the third myth that really blocks us is the myth that love makes us weak. And I think a lot of uh, people in our like culture... Like the Samson Delilah kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's just going to make us vulnerable and weak. Yeah. And the truth is, what what I've discovered is that we think we want to be in love, but in fact, we really want to be love. Right. That's what we really are. We really want to experience the truth that we are love. And I know that sounds sort of airy-fairy and, you know, all these kind of words, but the reality is is that people are living this experience. And yeah. that's what interested me. This is not just some airy-fairy talk. This is something that anyone can experience more and more of. And it's, you know, it's the most fulfilling thing there is. And... Um, and there's science behind it as well, and that's what was really important to me was that we also include the science. You know, I'm very practical. I like to make sure that everyone has tools and techniques that they can use to really make changes in their life. And so what I've discovered is that there are 14 love keys that anyone can practice. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to go through those. Mark. No, we won't go through all 14. They're going to have to buy the book for that. But, uh, no, I, again, you've got some wonderful techniques in the book, and many of them are they're very, very easy to do. And Okay, so you're saying, what you're saying is really, you know, let, let's, let's just start from the very beginning. When, the, when a baby is born, you know, it is love. I mean, let's face it. I mean, what is more, uh, you know, you see a baby and it's love, and and it, and, it, and again, you watch this baby just absorb love. But again, uh, then it, if it's unconditional versus conditional love, but but we really always all start out as love, don't we? I mean, if we stop and think about it, we all start out with this potential of of so much that we are love. Well, I I learned actually three main love themes. From, I, I interviewed 150 love luminaries. These are people who are living in this state of love for no reason. These are love lights, people that have a love light. Is that what you're saying? By That's love right. Luminaries? That's exactly okay. right. Okay. Okay. And so uh, I found three things, and one of them is that they all said love is who we are. It's yeah. really our essence. All the other stuff is just clouded over. You know, we are, we are the ocean of love, and yet we're, we're walking around with little cups you know, begging for, for love, you know, please fill my cup with some love, when in okay. fact we are the whole ocean of love. Can, can I ask you a question? Because, uh, you sure. know, you've got about 150 of these people. But in reading some of their stories, you uh, what I also picked up on their stories were, was that they had to go through some trials and tribulations 
to come to that understanding and and that realization and and you know you talk about Maslow's needs you know as mm-hmm. far as basic needs that first we have to have all these needs taken care of but didn't some of these people also have to kind of go through trials and tribulation to really find that that uh that love for them uh that feeling that we are love absolutely um all of them did um and you know i'll tell you a quick story from uh from someone that i interviewed her name is sally sals mm-hmm. and sally was a, a woman who you know was living just a, a really normal life everything was fine and um she right before her 50th birth, birthday she had to be rushed to the hospital because she was basically delirious and ill and it turned out that her liver was failing and she was shocked because she never had, had she didn't drink and right. she didn't even realize that she had liver disease but she needed a liver transplant and um she was they gave her 3 days and right. on the third day she said you know within hours if she didn't get a liver transplant within hours she was going to die well she ended up getting a liver transplant and over the following year she she really looked at you know what is it in my life that i need to do differently to to live a better life to, to so that this doesn't happen to me again and she gets the news within a year that she needs another liver transplant wow and so she really looks around and looks at the situation and she notices that so many of the people that need a liver transplant had a lot of anger uh-huh. and in chinese medicine um anger the liver is related to the emotion of anger and she realized that she had a lot of anger herself okay. in her own uh-huh. life particularly towards herself and she started doing these self-love practices and forgiveness and compassion and really releasing her own resentments towards herself and she went back to the doctors very soon after to to get prepared for this transplant and they said her her liver was completely healed miraculously wow. they had no reason for it and 18 years later it, that was 18 years ago and she's never had an issue since so she never had to have any other transplants nev- in the liver never needed had. anything after that yeah so so again what she learned was that the love had to uh, was was that, that the love like I said she had to release herself from negative emotions and and you talk about that in the book that well we you talk about beliefs you talk about attitudes and and again you know you you even talk about your early beginnings as a child and some of the beliefs or attitudes and things that you even felt about yourself but but again that is something that many many people it takes time and it and it takes discovery to to really understand that a lot of things that we think are not true mhm a lot of things that we we you know have been taught are not necessarily true but that do in fact prevent us from uh not only loving someone but loving ourselves as well mhm that's absolutely true but what i'm really discovering is i love the times that we're living in now because of course there are lots and lots of challenges and i know sure. everybody i know is challenged in some way right now right but i also believe that we're living in a time when there are incredible tools at our disposal and these they're fairly simple tools and techniques that i've discovered that people can use to really make great breakthroughs in these areas of of loving ourselves of letting go of our own forget, uh, resentments towards other people yeah. of of communicating and so i i'm very big on these tools that uh, for example i i teach the the emotional freedom technique which is a simple uh uh simple technique that's based on uh the acupuncture meridians where you tap on various energetic meridians on the body and you say various statements and it helps release old stuck uh, beliefs and yeah. and thought patterns it helps rewire the brain so there are things like that and i i i'm a big believer that everybody should have a toolbox 
and uh, toolkit where you, you learn a number of these tools and then you use whichever one you need that's appropriate at the time. I will be very honest with you, about an hour ago I was going through uh, a whole lot of things were kind of going wrong in um, my what I thought was wrong in my work um, in a project that I'm working on, and I had to take a five-minute break, and I did the emotional freedom technique, and I came back feeling completely different. And that's the kind of thing that I think each of us needs to do on a moment, you know, a daily basis. We need to really, how we deal with our moments makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, and and, and Marcy, I think, uh, again, what I find even in my own practice over the years is people don't believe they have those choices that they yeah. are in some ways captive to their emotions, and oftentimes these emotions can definitely cause them to become very ill. I know you talked about some of the trends as far as depression in women, but also that stress-related and, 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 and diseases that, that hurt people and, and really make people very sick, the mind and body are still so very, very powerful and can, can hurt, but they, it can also heal. One of the things that I liked you said in the book, it says you, you – starting to visualize your deserved life. And, and I guess that's one of the things I, I see in, the, in this last year because there has been a lot of challenges is that there are people coming together because this is an opportunity to really bond and, and really develop relationships because I mean because I think we've all been in this together and if anything I think it has been a bonding experience because you know everybody has had difficulty no matter what their social status or their economic level, or educational level that everyone has experienced similar difficulties, some of the challenges that that, that they've experienced. So, so you, you know, there's really been a coming together. So, visualizing your deserved life, I think, is so very important. Now, the one thing they said that has really been the greatest deterrent, and and I and I think even in 2011, it's something people need to understand, is is the whole concept of fear. And you talk about it in your book, and I and I'd just like you to address that a little bit because I think. You know, sometimes what people will say, well, you have no idea how I feel. You have no how how you have no idea how difficult this is for me. And and I think you know it's, they use it kind of as a battering ram, but at the same time, the fear, uh, you know, immobilizes them and and really stagnates them to such a degree that their ability to open open themselves to the possibility sometimes is very much squelched. Mm-hmm. Well. Absolutely true. I mean, fear is the opposite of love. Um, fear and love cannot coexist together. So, um, a lot of what we're what I talk about is how do we move out of that state of fear and into this state of expansion or love? Uh-huh. And how do you? Uh, one of the keys, one of the keys that we have in um, love for no reason is the key of safety and experiencing where are you supported and how do you feel supported in life. Yeah, and you, how, talk, you, you talk about that, and I think that's important. You talk about creating a, uh, you know, the feeling and, uh, and knowing that you have a safe environment to live in. Yeah, and in general, how safe in many ways, not just uh, physically safe, but you know, what are where are your circles of support? I call them. Yeah. What are your emotional circles of support? What are your physical circles of support? And what are your spiritual circles of support? You know, how do you feel like the that life is supporting you. What I found is that when people are showing up out of fear and out of sort of a victimhood stance, it's because they think that life is kind of against them. Yeah. And people who are experiencing a great great state of love have the opposite feeling. They, they think like Einstein had this great quote, uh, great question, which is the most important question you can ask yourself is, is this a friendly universe? Yeah. And people yeah. who live in a state of love feel like, yes, it may not, 
everything may not go my way, but ultimately I believe that the universe is a friendly place huh. that is out to support me and my greater good. Yeah, the universe will provide. And, uh, and again, well, it's like the person who either who is always saying things will be better when I right. win the lottery. Things will be better when there's always some some measure or some. Uh, some point that they have in their in their mind as to when they will be able to be a certain way, and and basically I think you had that with happy for no reason that people were always waiting right. for something to happen to to even indicate that it was okay to be happy. So that's that's why I think I really like the statement living the deserved the life that you deserve. And and yeah. uh, again I think that starts with people the grace that people allow themselves to have towards themselves. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know to to not to also know that sometimes our hardest challenges are the opportunities we have to grow in the experience of love. And I'll, I'll give you an example. One of uh, uh, one of the people that I interviewed for for Love for No Reason was Melissa Etheridge, the, yeah. the singer. And she tells the story about one how one night in 2004 she was playing a gig up in Canada, and before the show she remembered very clearly feeling just very lost and empty inside. And she looked at one of her bandmates and said to them, you know, I've been famous, I've made money but it all feels kind of blank and dark and empty. Yeah. And then the next day, the next morning, she woke up and she found a lump in her breast, right. and it was cancer, and it was a wake-up call for her. And, you know, it's the kind of wake-up call that none of us wants to get, but what Melissa experienced was that it was a call for her to connect with love uh-huh. and with that sense of, of, of actually just being love. And that experience uh, changed everything. And she was invited to sing on the Grammys very soon after that, and she wasn't sure what to do because she was – uh, going to come right out. It was right in the middle of her chemo, and she was gonna. She wasn't going to have any hair, and she was going to yeah. be feeling sick. And yet, she decided to reject that fear and to choose love and to perform. And she sang her heart out. Mm-hmm. And years later, people are still coming up to her, telling her that her performance changed their life. Yeah. And she's just a beautiful example of how to choose that love over the fear and how it's transformed lives. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's. Fantastic. Well, I, I was very lucky in 2010 to, to meet the Dalai Lama. That had been something on my uh, bucket list was to meet him and, you know, to hear, to read his work. And, and I know you're very familiar with his work, as, as so it's very much connected with all the things that you're doing. But, you know, to approach people with compassion, you know, when when I heard that, it was, it was uh, to me, you know, probably – probably hit me the strongest is that if we approach everyone with compassion what we receive in return is is threefold you know it's it's definitely a, a process and, and you talk about that if we give love we receive love you know and oftentimes yes. that's exactly what we get back is what we're giving giving to the universe that comes right back to us and and you know the Dalai Lama had talked about you know the purpose of life is to is is to be to, be, to have love Yes, yeah, absolutely. I, I so agree with that. And there's a great quote by Arthur Rubenstein. He says, if you love life, life will love you back. And, uh, you know, I, I, we, must, we must be on the same page here because I, it was also one of my dreams to meet the Dalai Lama. Yeah. And I also met him this, in this last year. Uh-huh. And I, I just want to share one little piece of, of something he said that really struck me, probably of all the things that he said when, when, um, when I was in this wonderful meeting with him. He said, you know, he said, human beings, we all have secondary differences, but we also all have primary sameness, the same essence. And he said, when I meet people, it doesn't matter to me who they are. They could be the head of a country or they could be the homeless person in the street. Yeah. And I don't look at those differences. I look at how we are all the same. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I, you know, just I, and perhaps this was your experience. I know just my experience of being in his presence, I really got that. I really got that he treats everyone with that same feeling of, of yeah. humanity. Well, he's, he's always that's laughing. That's what he's, he's always laughing, which is, which is funny because he'll talk and all of a sudden he's laughing. Yep. And you're yep. almost like, you know, and his, his laughter is contagious, too. You know, it's kind of like he's laughing, you're laughing. You know, there's, yep. there's no doubt about it. But, again, the Dalai Lama is also someone who is, he's also experienced much trials and tribulation, not having his country, not being, having his people, you know, has, has been a, it's a real, it's a real passion of him to unite the, the people of Tibet. So he, he definitely ha- continues to work on his his, uh, you know, he has his path. He has his purpose, and and uh, but he but he takes it with with such compassion and, and such kindness, you know. And, and you talk about that too, which is random acts of kindness. And this is uh, again, I think, something that we do during the holidays. Okay, for example, I think that's one of the reasons why people feel good. Uh, around the holidays, I'm not saying they shouldn't feel good all the time. I think they should, but and I, I hate to use the word should, but but it, it really gives people an opportunity to feel good about random acts of kindness. I, I I think about the red kettles and the Salvation Army and the bell ringers, and I always, you know, it, it's such a good feeling to walk over and put put a dollar in in a in a red kettle, you know. But it gives people an opportunity to practice acts of kindness. I think that's a really important point, and I also think there's the flip side of that that's important as well, and that is receiving. I right. I think particularly women have a hard time receiving. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And what it's so important um, to learn really, really, in a, the, the the stronger you are, the more you are able to receive. Yeah. The more you're able to open up and let love in, and I think that's an important thing. And there's some tools that I, I share about how how is it that we can actually open up and let love in, feel worthy of that, and uh-huh. let it in. Well, and being vulnerable, I think that's again part of the, the the woman thing is that our vulnerability and our strength and our our you know our togetherness is always connected with our our okayness. And yes, that, that's kind of the book that I've been talking about that since. You know, what are you waiting for, finding your inner strength? I mean, I think that's so important. Well, let's go over real quickly a few of the things because these are just tidbits, but I believe in these, especially since we're talking about the new year and your book is really so valuable. But what you can do to get more of this love, this unconditional love, and uh, I'm going to start out with meditation because that's something I do each and every day. But, again, connecting with yourself. What are some of the other things that are very, very important for a person to well, start um, to practice? Yeah, and, and there, as I said, there's 14, th- 14 love keys. And I, what I find is that each person needs to start at a different place. So uh, we've got a self-assessment that you can take to see where you are on yeah. the love for no reason scale. But one of the things, uh, how about if I mention two? One how of them. About, how is, about, I'll mention one that you mentioned, but go ahead. We'll see if you okay. bring it up. Well, one that I want to mention is is that um, is forgiveness. Yeah. Um, when we hold on to resentment, forget it. It just doesn't work. And so I'm I'm a big believer in in as much as possible opening our hearts through forgiveness. And I'll tell. There's a technique that I love. It's called Ho'oponopono. It's harder to say than it is to do. (laughs) I'm not going to try to repeat it. Ho'oponopono, it's based on an ancient Kahuna Hawaiian tradition. I like that. And it's you just say these four sentences over and over again towards the person that you're having a hard time forgiving and towards yourself. And I'll just say these sentences. They are, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. 
I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And if, if I'd love to just share a quick story about how I used this in my life recently. Sure. Go about ahead. a year and a half ago, um, I come from a close family, uh, but my sister is 12 years older than I am, and so we're the least close because of such a big age difference. Sure. And um, about a year and a half ago, she got very mad at me and stopped talking to me. Now, this had never happened in our family, and oh. it was very unusual. But I, rather than feeling forgiveness or understanding, I got very indignant and very upset and thought, mm-hmm. how could she do this to me? I don't deserve this. Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything wrong, right. and I refused to talk to her. I wouldn't call her up, nor would she call me. Well, a couple months into this, our family had to move my mother into assisted living, and we all gathered one day at her the new apartment to unpack her out of her home of 58 years that she'd moved out of to this one small one-bedroom apartment. And I walk in, and my sister is there first, and she doesn't talk to me. The rest of my family is there as well. And I, we went through a couple of hours of this, and I, I'm angry because I don't deserve this, I think. And I go to my car to just get a little bit of break after a couple of hours. And as I'm going to my car, I remember a story about an ancient, about a. Tibetan monk, a Buddhist Tibetan monk who had been imprisoned by the Chinese government for 20 years and had been tortured by his prison guards. And when he got out, the Dalai Lama interviewed him and asked him, when did you feel that you were in the most danger? And the monk said, I thought I was in the most danger when I thought I was going to lose the ability to feel compassion or forgiveness towards my prison guards. And I thought, oh, my God, Uh he's feeling that towards them, and I can't even (laughs) forgive my sister. So I spent the next 15 minutes in my car doing Ho'oponopono on my sister. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Mm-hmm. Completely changed how I felt. I went back into that apartment. I, I, Within two minutes, I said nothing at all. Within two minutes, my sister came up to me, took my hand, and said, let's go into Mom's closet and unpack her closet together. Oh. And she spent the rest of the day completely warm and open to me. I asked my, pulled my brother aside and said, what did you tell her while I was gone? And he said, we didn't say a word. What did you do? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, that changed my relationship with my sister. And I sure, I'm sure happy that happened because nine months later, my sister and I found ourselves in that same closet, and this time packing my mother's closet up yeah. after my mother had passed away. Wow. And I'll tell you, I can't imagine what those nine months would have been like yeah. had I not gone through that process. And that you were able to support each other during that difficult yeah. time of losing your mother. Absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're, it's, it's very it's, I don't think people understand how hard it is to hold on to resentment and if they can just... Grudges and resentment and anger and all of those emotions, it's so very hard on your body, your mind, and your spirit. So if they can can find a way to, to release that and to find the love and forgiveness, that's so very, very valuable. Well, this is wonderful, but I'm going to mention one that you put, you didn't mention okay. one, Marcy, because I think it's very valuable. I think connecting with nature is really, really important, but I think music and dancing, the Zumba, is very, very important. And uh, you know what? I, I want to do a Zumba class. Now that you've, I re- wrote, uh, you wrote about doing your Zumba class and how wonderful it's been for you, I'm going to go find a Zumba instructor. Oh, my goodness. For those people who are listening and don't know what we're talking about, Zumba is a Latin-inspired dance exercise program that's sweeping the world. And I, one of the things that I talk about is how we need to feel a sense of vitality or, yes. or aliveness in ourselves allows us to open our hearts. 
yeah, allows us yeah. to feel more love. And well, joy and happiness are, you know, again, you, you can get so many great emotions out. Plus, you get a darn good workout, too. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, what I say is find exercise that you love. Yeah. Something that's going to make you feel alive and vital and happy. And, and Nancy, if you want to come out to where I am, I'll be happy to take you to a Zumba class anytime. Or I'll come visit you and we'll do one. Well, I'm, I'm going out to L.A., and my daughter's uh, got a class out there. I think I'm going oh, to better enroll and get in the Zumba class out in L.A. But uh, Great. This has been wonderful. Okay, how do they find out more about the book? I, you know, it's a great book. We've just we've just barely touched the tip of the iceberg on this, but there is so much really practical, great information, but really it's it's written extremely well. There's great exercises, and I think anyone can use this as a book they can put right by their bed and read it every night, read something new. Well, thank you so much. The, the, um, you can get more information at www.thelovebook.com, thelovebook.com. It's a very simple, easy-to-remember uh, URL, thelovebook.com, and the book is called Love for No Reason. Um, if, if you go to the website, though, for thelovebook.com, it will give you uh, different ways that you can find the book. And also we have, uh, we have a, a, a number of uh, bonus gifts that we're giving free that are amazing to help support the experience of love. It's actually $688 worth of bonus gifts that we're giving wow. for free for, for, for um, when you order love for no reason. And, you know, I have this very strong feeling, Nancy. I, I, I just, I, I've been researching this for, for quite a while, and I really believe that we are in an age right now where people are really up against some big challenges, but it's calling for each of us to open more and more to the experience of love, and that the way that we're best going to help change this world of ours is through each one of us healing our own hearts and living lives with more open hearts. So if you think this is selfish, it's not. It's the least selfish thing you could do. When you open up your heart and experience more love, it affects your family, it affects your, your friends, it affects your community, and ultimately the world. Absolutely. You know, if everybody's healthy and happy and feels loved, then our whole society is is better as a whole. Well, I I agree wholeheartedly, and that's what I'm hoping for 2011 for everyone, is that we do open our hearts and we do find that forgiveness and that that love within us that we can radiate out and we can all become love luminaries, love lights. So congratulations on, again, a wonderful contribution. Uh, you keep dan- you keep dancing and enjoying yourself and uh, and take time for you too in this this coming year, Marcy. And thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dr. Nancy. And I just wish everybody a truly a 2011 is a year full of love. I uh, got, know, I I've da- I have no doubt about that. So uh, we'll just keep keep working working towards that. But, Beautiful. Uh, All right. New thank year you. To you. Many thank many you. great days ahead for you. Thank you. You have as a great well. day. Thanks, Marcy. Mm-hmm. Bye bye. Bye bye.